Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's season two wrap up episode, we have just a few things to let you know. Oh, boy. And what an episode it is going to be. We've got Kate Leth. We've got Gabby Dunn. We've got Joanna Robinson, Brittany Nichols, and so many of you. It's going to rule. But before we get there, let's talk about New York City. My favorite place. Uh Uh-huh, mine too. We are going to be in New York City this August, August 19th and 20th. There is a thing happening in Brooklyn called FlameCon, which is an amazing event. It's its third year, and it is a con that celebrates specifically LGBTQ creators. We will be doing a live taping, and we will also be doing a musical performance. Kate Leth is going to be there. Heather Hogan is going to be there. A lot of really rad people are going to be there. If you can make it out, come and say hi. And if you can't make it out, don't feel too bad because you can totally check in on our exploits on our new Instagram, where we'll be posting (laughs) photographic evidence of everything we do for the rest of time, including going to FlameCon and also having a new cat. (laughs) It's true. Sam, our new cat, has a hashtag. You might appreciate it. It is once more with Sam. Get it? Get it, guys? I get it. I get it. You get get it? it? Okay, great. Uh, Before we roll into the episode, we do want to let you know that if you are a patron of ours over on Patreon, you can find out more about that on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com, and clicking on Patreon. If you are a patron of ours, you voted your hearts out for our next Buffy Watch, and the winner of that vote-off is Band Candy. So we, yeah, pretty exciting. We will be watching uh, Band Candy with all of our patrons live on our secret Facebook group on July 30th. We're really, really, really pumped about it. If you want to join us, you can. You can be a patron at any level, uh, and all the details are there on our Patreon page. July 30th, Band Candy, me and Jenny, all of you. It's going to rule. Yes. And now without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. I am Jenny Owen Young. And I am Kristen Russo. And today we have a very special episode. We did it. We finished season two. And we have a lot of thoughts about some of the moments that we shared together with you this past season. We are going to talk about those thoughts, some of our favorite moments, some of the character arcs, some big losses, the sexual attention award showdown. We have messages from Gabby Dunn, Brittany Nichols, Kate Leth, Joanna Robinson, and so many of you. It is going to be quite a party. I'm pretty excited. Are you ready? I'm ready. Me too. Wow. So probably the best place to begin. I mean, let's be real. Any of these places would be great places to sure, begin. Sure, sure, but sure. But why sure. don't we start with some of the characters? I mean, we don't often get a chance in the series to talk specifically about characters, you know, outside their larger of, arcs. Right. They're larger arcs. So let's just like take, I think we're going to do Buffy, Willow, Cordelia, Xander, and Giles in this season. I think that they are Core the characters. crew. 
they're the core crew. Um, they're the crew that also has like arcs. We're going to also talk about some significant losses because, you know, Jenny, Calendar, and Kendra, they also have some arcs, but we'll talk about them in, in that section mm-hmm. where we talk about who we have lost this season. So let's start with Buffy. Let's start with Buffy. Wow. She began this season uh, recently having come back from being temporarily dead and then on vacation at her dad's in L.A. Yes. She came back real mean because she was she working did. out some stuff. She was working out some stuff. And as you do when you are in your teens or your 20s or your 30s, probably your 40s, 50s, 60s, and forever, you work through some stuff and then you find some more stuff behind that <laughs> stuff that you also have to work through, which is kind of what happened to Buffy, right? Like she came back really fucked up because yeah. she had died. So that's legitimate. It's a that's lot. That's a pretty legitimate reason to feel really fucked up. And she got her feet under her. Uh, I think, you know, a few episodes into the season and she started like really falling in love with Angel mm-hmm. and then they had sex. She lost her virginity. If we're going to put any value on that, that's complicated in the land of feminism. And what, Jenny? The patriarchy. (laughs) Correct. Don't worry. We'll have a whole segment on the patriarchy in a minute. Um, But she sort of like gets, starts to get her feet under her. And then this season, I think one of the biggest arcs in this whole season is really complicating what is evil and what is good. And that those two things really don't stay on their own sides very well. Right, right. Not here. Right. And so I'm like, I think like two popsicles on a table (laughs) melting towards each other. (laughs) Wow. Popsicles. Uh, so I, I think that that's like her biggest growth. And also it's not resolved. That like right, she's right, right, right. really still struggling with that by the end of the season. But also I feel like by the end of the season, she has become the most the slayer yes. that she has been up to this point. She I has, agree. Uh, you know, she started in season one as a very reluctant slayer. Mm-hmm. And she grew through season one and she continued to grow through season two. And it's becoming more and more and more a part of her core essence. Yeah, I mean, Buffy started this season talking to Kendra about how she viewed this, or, you know, Kendra saying, like, you view this as a job, and that's not what this is. This is who you are. Mm-hmm. And so that's another big thing. Those are some other shoes that Buffy stepped into, although not really because she always just wears that one pair of boots. Right, 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 right. metaphorically speaking, <laughs> she stepped into her Slayer shoes uh, much more in season two. And, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously we've seen the series, and we know that many of these characters are going to continue to grow and change and struggle and find more demons to battle both literally and figuratively but at this point she has faced what would have to be like the biggest conflict of personal interest and professional or um sacred duty absolutely that you could imagine especially as a teenager and she did you know what we'd consider the right thing absolutely and and but because of that you know, and we'll, we're going to obviously talk about the finale a little bit. It's going to have its own little segment at the end here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because of that, she's ending this season. Like, she ended the last season dying and then coming back to life, uh, but kind of came into this season, like, confused and lost. And she is ending the season confused and lost in a, in a much deeper way, I think, in a way that, like, you know where you think you've... <laughs> You think you've struggled. You think you know, understand like how confused you can be. And then the next page turns and you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You wish you want for the time when your only struggle was that you had just died. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where Buffy, I think, finds herself at the end of this season. Yeah. So Willow. Willow. Willow's oh. getting so strong. Willow, right. Willow has found her voice. 
more than anything. I think yeah. like Willow, certainly from season one Willow, where, you know, we had like that scene that I remember most from season one is with her and Cordelia, where Cordelia is making fun of her dress. And uh-huh, uh-huh. She's so quiet. And at the bronze, she's so quiet and shy. And Willow really finds herself in this season through Oz, I think, like, you know, through finding love and a respectful kind of love. I think that really gives... And a non-one-sided love. Right. I think that, like, uh, gives her strength. And I think seeing, you know, seeing the power that she has, I think, also gives her strength. And and caring and fighting for the people that she loves Mm -hmm. gives her a voice that I don't think she even necessarily knew she had. Yeah. Uh, We've talked about the scene where she screams at Giles and Angel, right? It was, like, one of my my favorite moments. (laughs) Uh, And that's, like, one of the first for Willow of being like, hey, this is enough. Enough is enough. I have shit to say, and I'm going to say it. Yeah, which is so awesome. And she's not the only one. We also have Cordelia in an unprecedented move totally telling off the cordettes and being like, screw you guys. You suck. Yeah. You're mean. I don't care what you think. I'm going to make decisions for me, even if that decision is dating Xander Harris. Right, right. So, right. Cordelia starts dating Xander this season, which is a controversial, controversial choice amongst the viewers uh, and the opinionated fans. I like it for the story. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, I think it's great for both of their characters because because both Cordelia and, and, you know, Cordelia grows in a way that is measured. It's not this, you know, she doesn't start one way and end a totally different way. Cordelia retains her Cordelia-ness. But her heart is just starting to, like, crack open just a little bit. We're just starting to see, like, a little bit of the softer side of Cordelia. Right. I think that Cordelia is hardened mostly because of insecurity, defensiveness, feeling like, you know, she wants to belong. She wants – she needs to retain power so that Mm -hmm. people respect her. Like, Mm -hmm. those are some of the – the crosses that she bears, right? But but for Cordelia, as the season goes on, she gets more comfortable. And so I think she just starts to let some of that defense go yeah. and starts to allow herself to be vulnerable. Yeah, and allow herself to be part of this new group of people. Yeah. All the while still maintaining her love for fashion. You know, <laughs> like these things can go together because Cordelia is very layered. I don't know if you know that about her. But I did know Cordelia that. Cordelia contains many a layer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She uh, also falls in love. She does. She does fall in love. I know, right? Like right? we, I mean, Xander and Cordelia are in love. Every every, every person character on our we're discussing list, right now yes. falls in love this season. Buffy has fallen in love with Angel. Willow has fallen in love with Oz. Cordelia and Xander have fallen in love with each other despite fighting it at every turn. <laughs> Giles falls in love with Jenny. There's so there's you know a lot of different love arcs in this mm-hmm. season. But mm-hmm. right, Cordelia falls in love. Hooray. And it's with Xander. Hmm. Let's talk about Xander. Uh, Yeah, Xander is becoming less fixated on Buffy, yes. right? Thank which God. makes so much room for him to have other characteristics, which is nice. Right. I mean, I think Xander gets a lot less whiny in this season. You know, like it's, it, it, he's still Xander. So he still has his Xander teenage boy, like snark, but and... I like, you know, but I, but I want to do this and I want to do that mm-hmm. and bleh. So it's, it's still there. It's not gone, but it has like Cordelia. Right. It's becoming tempered with something right, else. Right. It's become and it's becoming more nuanced. Mm-hmm. And he is also, you know, because Xander, a lot of Xander's actions also come from a place of insecurity. And, uh, you know, from, we've talked about this, that he, his actions come from the patriarchy too, wanting to right. prove himself as a member of the patriarchy. Right, 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 right. Uh, in some sense of the word. And I think that he starts to let go of that as well. I mean, they're all facing, right? The whole Scooby gang, 
they're facing life and death. And it's so present in their lives. And these are high school students, right? They're they're young people who would normally be grappling with issues that are still significant, but certainly not life or death. And I think mm-hmm. that's that puts these characters, all of them, on a fast track mm-hmm. to saying, you know what, we're gonna have to really prioritize here. Yeah. And for Xander, that means getting over some of his shit. And right, he does. Right, right. And he does. And how interesting, actually, now that I'm I'm thinking about this for the first time to see. Cordelia and Xander as sort of like the most uh, evidently insecure yeah. main characters that we see getting paired together and allowing each other to to grow and develop. Right. Perhaps it took that, right? Perhaps it takes when you are in a position where you're feeling insecure and it's hard for you to be vulnerable to be with somebody who's struggling with some of those same things, mm-hmm. you know, that like, or, you know, I think it could take many combinations for individual people, but I think for them, they must see a little bit of themselves in each other as much as that makes them want to vomit, you know, right. like, <laughs> which is, which is the, which is the brilliance of their pairing. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to say there, but I do think that they've both seen so much growth because of it. And last but not least, Giles, good old Rupert Giles. Yes. Falls in love, suffers a great loss, faces some of his literal and figurative demons from an earlier part of his life. Yeah. Is tortured for hours by Angelus becomes more even more of a father figure to Buffy and gets a lot closer to Buffy and and you know his relationships are deepening with all of the the younger characters. Yeah, absolutely. Giles really goes through the ringer uh yeah. this season. I mean, you know, they all do. They all do in their own ways, but mm-hmm. I just feel like Giles both with like physical actual torture, emotional heart-wrenching torture. I just think Giles has really gone through it. And and like you said, Jenny, it deepens his role as like a caretaker in a sense because I think that in his loss he has also seen how much they take care of him yeah so there's just this like and he's also absorbing their pain like he's a buffer for their pain pain as well right and oh my god I'm just realizing this too both Buffy and Giles in a way lose their love interests to the same yeah demonic presence yeah yeah this season absolutely they both lose their loves to Angelus. So it's like there's this symbiosis situation occurring. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. I don't know much about the military, but I know that like, <laughs> sorry, quick transition. But I, I know that like some of the mindset there is like you like to break everybody down together so that they can b- be built back up as one unit. Mm-hmm. That, you know, this is these are rumors I hear about literally. I shouldn't be speaking on this. But that's that's kind of, I think, what the mindset is when you want people to be working together well um, is that they kind of, you start from scratch and become a working team together. And I really think that's what's happening here with the Scoobies is that like they've all been knocked down so hard. Mm -hmm. And this season they've been sort of piecing that together, but with each other. And so they're becoming a unit that can really fight together much more powerfully. And they know each other. They know each other so much better than they did at the start of the season. And certainly at the beginning of the series, you know, they know their nuances. They know what Xander's role is and what Xander can do and what Mm -hmm. Willow can do, you know. And and it's just a really, it's a beautiful thing to watch. I'm getting a lot of goosebumps right now. (laughs) Thanks. Are all Stein's goosebumps or just actual? Uh, Both. Both kinds. Right. Uh, you know what else will give you goosebumps, Jenny? What's that? Uh, some sexual tension awards. Yeah. So you all know that we have this ongoing bracket happening. Uh, our listener, Emily, started this bracket to show down the 22 sexual tension Ooh. award winners and narrow it down to the one winner. We're going to talk more <laughs> about that in a second because it's still ongoing. But first, before we get there, I want 
Jenny and I to talk about some of our favorites uh, from the season. Yes. Do you have Do you have a favorite? I, you know, I'm ne- I've never been a favorite like a single yeah. favorite picker. I am too indecisive and I have too much love to same, give. Same, same. I usually can't pick a favorite. I have some favorites. Right, right, right. You know I can't get enough of Rupert Giles and Ethan Rain. Uh, who can? Nobody. Nobody. Their love has withstood the test of time. It started in their wee youth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And has been just stirred up again twice this yeah, season. Yeah. Two times. Yeah, and they've got those accents. And <laughs> there's something like almost like fairy tale-esque about their relationship because they were like so close. And now one of them is good and one of them is evil. Right. But complicated, yes. of course. Because evil is not just one thing. Oh my God. Evil can contain sexual tension after all. <laughs> sexual tension multitudes. Oh, not to mention, speaking of other favorites, my Kendra and Buffy, Aww. I'm going to just tell you all something that I've already told you. Anytime there's a slayer and another slayer, I'm going to be into it. <laughs> I like it. There's a big power play. There's something very sexy about being the only one, but then being the only one also. <laughs> Don't you just wish they would get an apartment together? More than anything. More than anything, I wish that they would stay up all night talking about slaying and demons uh-huh, and putting uh-huh. on face masks and like making right. out. You know, that's what I want. Wow. So making out with the face masks on? No, I guess, well, maybe. That would be like fun and silly, but then they would take the masks off later and then make out for real. Wow. You know? You've given this a lot of thought. I I really have. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, Great. The other, I mean, there's so many. There's so many, but we we would be remiss not to talk about the thruple. Going strong. Right? This is like evil, evil, evil. Like evil times three and (laughs) also just complete insanity because we have like all of their different relationships to evil. Right? 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 Like... Angel is, and they've like made each other. You yes, know? yes. There's there's a whole thing. There's incest. There's yeah. evil. Sire. It's almost like an episode of Game of Thrones. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so the thruple has. I mean, I think that where it comes to like direct, obvious, over the head sexual tension. The thruple may be the the personal Kristen winner. Uh-huh, I don't uh-huh. get to choose because this is this is a democracy. Yes, but it, you know the thruple. I don't know. There's just something very very sexy. Well, there's three of them. That that puts them in a yeah, category they, all their own. Right. When it comes to sexual energy, oh, I'm going to talk about this moment probably again. But another moment that I will never forget is Willow and Cordelia. Well, you know, I won't even narrow it down to a moment. (laughs) Will and Cordelia, just whenever they're together, it's good. Right? So anyhow, we have this bracket, and this bracket has been going on, and then shit has been getting really intense. It has put, like, Kendra and Buffy up against Giles and Ethan. Like, hard, impossible choices to make, and yet we have powered through. (laughs) We have made the choices, and we have narrowed it down to three as a collective unit of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans. The final three standing in the competition are Ethan and Giles in episode eight, The Dark Age, Angel and Xander in episode 18, Killed by Death, or The Thruple in episode 10, I Only Have Eyes for You. (laughs) You, yes you, can go and vote for your favorite. Head on over to our Patreon page. You don't have to be a patron to participate. And there will be a link there where you can rank those last 
three standing sexual tension award winners. The voting will be open until end of day Sunday. And the winner will receive the biggest trophy of them all, won't they, Jenny? They will. I've been down at FedEx getting quotes. I was going to say, we need a special mail carrier for this one. Yeah, it's going to be pretty big. (laughs) And heavy. Wow. So we can't wait. Again, Emily, thank you so much. We hope, Emily, that you will do this for us, with us, every season. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, when we get to season seven, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? We're going to have to do the ultimate, ultimate showdown. Oh, So much fun lies ahead. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you to all of the players in this wonderful game of sexual tension. Seriously. (laughs) You know who I'd like to hear from right now? Who? I would like to hear. Speaking of thruples. Yes! Why don't we bring in our third? Uh Kate Leth. We sat down and talked to Kate about some of her favorite moments from season two, specifically related to fashion. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Kate! Kate! The one, the only, (laughs) the all-powerful. You're here. You're That's here. A good introduction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're usually like in our separate vacuums. We don't get to like, you know, hold each other vocally. But right, right, but right. Now we do. We're so glad to have you here on our finale episode wrap. I can't believe that we're done with season two. I can't, I can't believe be- it either. This is right. so bizarre. We've been it's on this journey for so by. long together. Right? <laughs> So many sweater sets, so so many dresses, oh, so many micro mini skirts. Oh, oh season two was good to but us. But like, alarmingly wise. few pairs of boots. Yeah, so few boots. Well, Is it, there's just the one. Yeah. What more do you need? <laughs> so okay, so okay. Before we get into season two, people have been tweeting at us nonstop about this hot topic line of Buffy clothing. So how, what are your feelings? People have a lot of feelings about this. And I, I you know, I can't think of a better person to ask than mm. Kate Leth, Buffy well, Fashion Watch. Well, thank you. That's so, <laughs> that's so kind and accurate. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I live near a mall that has both a box lunch and a hot topic. And both oh my God. Them, yeah. <laughs> both of them sell um, the Buffy line of fashion things. But Holy shit. Wait, like, did you see it in person when you were at the mall the other day? Oh, you I did. You posted a yeah, lot about I've, being I've at the touched, mall. I fondled those sweaters. (laughs) Um, They didn't. So they had, I saw in both of the stores, the Faith jacket and the Buffy jacket, but not the Willow sweater. The jackets are actually pretty decent. I like them a lot. I think the only thing that bothered me, and this is going to seem so picky and you may or may not agree with me, is that the lining on each of them has a bunch of um, Mm -hmm. stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's... (laughs) Yeah, we're with you. We're with you, Kate. Someone's got an opinion. Um... (laughs) But the thing that bothered me on the faith one was that it says five slash five, which I know is meant to symbolize five by five. But to me, that's like five out of five. Yeah, that's trash. Yeah, that's the number one is what that that is. is. Like this is just a 100%. No, 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 no. Kate, I can't like, you know how some people do their jobs, but then some people do their jobs. (laughs) It's just like the fact that we're like, Kate, what do you think of the new line? And you're like, well, I was at the mall. <laughs> touching the items with my literally hands. trying to see you at the mall. Literally, like you're just really taking it to the next level. Look, so. my my sign off is very real. I'm at the mall a 
lot. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Kate, before, obviously we're going to talk to you before we leave you about your favorite fashion moments from season two. But before we get there, I mean, you, the last time you were with us, you gave us a feelings watch. You're very did. feelings did. watch. And so we were wondering if you had any other moments uh, from season two that you really wanted to talk about in this, our wrap up episode. It's hard. I mean, that is sort of the the quintessential moment for me in season two. I, mm-hmm. I love this. It's my favorite season. I think it is for a lot of people because it's where the show like really found its footing and figured out what it was. And um, Halloween is definitely one of my favorites. I've seen that episode so many times. I have it like memorized. <laughs> yes, we, we sat next to you watching that yeah. episode. So <laughs> yeah. we can attest to that. <laughs> I love School Hard. I love all of this stuff with Spike and Drew. And uh, I'm a sucker for passion with its opening and closing monologues. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as cheesy and melodramatic as it is and like totally heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really, really solid episode. And it always makes my sort of top list. It doesn't for everybody, but I love yeah. passion. Yeah. I love the heartbreak. <laughs> right, I, I know. I love it's, to feel the pain. Of course. <laughs> I'm with you there, you know? Give me some Sarah McLaughlin any day. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I cannot think of it. They use Sarah McLaughlin multiple times yeah, for she season keeps coming back. Yeah, I mean, they knew, they knew. Like, in the 90s, Sarah McLaughlin was, like, akin to using Willow as a tool, you know? You just uh, put, like, one note just of Sarah McLaughlin. Just a surefire dagger between yeah. the ribs. The airy mm-hmm. voice of Sarah McLaughlin, and everybody was just like, oh! <laughs> so, Kate, we know it's difficult. We know mm-hmm. that there was a lot of fashion in, in this season. Oh, so much. Some but of the you- best in the whole series, <laughs> honestly. Like, it gets over the embarrassing dark brown lip gloss of season one, mm. and it hasn't quite moved into, like, the, the cool badassery of season three. It's, uh-huh. it's just, it's extremely good. What are, what are some of your top, what are, you know, if you want us to take away, if somebody is listening to this episode somewhere in space, 50 years from, 50 years, <laughs> I should have probably gone with 500, yeah, yeah, 500 yeah. years from now, and they only get this clip, and it's going to inform them of what the best, best ep- uh, outfits from season two are, what, what would you like to tell them? It's so hard because there's so many good ones. And I know you pointed out to me Buffy running and becoming part one in that in that baby blue coat. And you know how I feel about Buffy and baby blue. <laughs> you know how I feel. I feel very strongly. It is her color. Um, so that's really amazing. And I think that's sort of very iconic for the, the season. But like Drusilla, I don't know. I mean, as much as I love Cordelia and everyone else in the show, like Drusilla's outfits, especially her coat that she wears in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, mm. um, it, it, her look is just flawless. Those nails, I don't know. Oh, I mean, yes. I know she's a bad guy, but she looks like so good. And <laughs> Cordelia's sweater sets, mm-hmm. all of them. Just the the dozen <laughs> odd sweater sets that Cordelia wears in this season. And when she finally starts learning how to style her bangs, because there's some mm. there's some rough moments in the beginning. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Bang, bangs can do that, even to the yeah, best yeah. of us, even yeah. to the Cordelia's. Bangs yeah. can be tricky. I mean, people were still very into the round brushing technique, I think, mm-hmm. and then they, mm-hmm. they settled down, which is nice. <laughs> Thank goodness. I just want to say, if if any if any of our listeners are like, you know, I really didn't, I don't have any plans this weekend. I don't know what to do. And you want to make us uh, a photo mashup of every sweater set that Cordelia has worn in season two. We oh would be really, we'd be really into that. We invite you to do so. We would love that. We would that. be so thrilled. There are so many. <laughs> the live episode we did, there were like three different ones in one episode. <laughs> it's incredible. And oh. I think also... Um, 
also from Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. That one has so much good fashion simply because there's like 500 women in that episode. Um, <laughs> when Buffy wears that sort of white mesh top with the the white tank top underneath oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's a yes. good one. That's a good look. And shout out to Willow's fishtail braids because <laughs> they are like the cutest thing she does all season. They're yeah, so Willow cute. Willow really came into her fashion self, I think, in this season. Mm-hmm. She does. I mean, she's still got, you know, that kid jewelry thing and all the geometric kind of shapes and stuff like that. But I really feel like once Oz kind of comes into the picture, she gets a little bit more flair and she starts mm-hmm. like experimenting with her look a little bit more. And she definitely <laughs> does in season three. But yeah. Yeah. Oh. Speaking of season three, Kate, uh, are you are you excited about about season three? You, you ready I'm for it? So excited! There's so <laughs> much pleather. <laughs> I can't oh. wait. Well, um, Kate, where where will we find you until season three? I'm usually on the internet. That's basically where I live. Um, I'm going to uh, San Diego Comic-Con coming up soon, and uh, I'm going to post my schedule for that on Twitter. It's just Kate Leff, pretty straightforward. Um, And then FlameCon in uh, August, I'm going to in New York, so that's going to be pretty fun. And yeah, the rest of the time, internet. Do you think that like we could hang out at, at FlameCon together? Yeah, and... I think that would be super good. Okay, awesome. That would be ideal. Because we're, yeah. Um... We'll be there, too. Yeah, I think we're going to be there, too. So, so we'll see you at FlameCon. Um, and also, hopefully, Kate, hopefully we'll see you at, at the... Somewhere else. Uh, at, the, at the mall, maybe? Will we see oh, yeah. You, yeah, I guess until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Thanks, Kate, for uh, talking to us, as always. Yes, Kate, what a dream. We cannot wait to talk to you in season three. Seriously. Wow. Are we a thruple or are we a family? I'm confused. Oh, that's true. We are a family. Can't you be a thruple and a family? Ah! <laughs> of course you can. Ah. So, okay, we have so you know, much more to You know cover. who wants to tell you you can't be a thruple and a family? Who? The patriarchy. Damn it, you're right. And we have something special. This Something special this way comes. Jenny, I think we might have a new little jingle. Just a teeny tiny one. A teeny tiny one, but I'm excited because we talk about this in every episode. And it is what? The Patriarchy! (laughs) Yeah, you know, we just wanted to take a special moment to look back on, on some of our Favorite little bits and bobs of the patriarchy. By which we mean our least favorite. Right. Moments of the season because it was full of bullshit. (laughs) Let's start with episode five where there is a demon lizard and that is where the power comes to help the boys maintain their money and they keep (laughs) girls chained downstairs. Beat them to the demon. Just horrible and stupid and also true and we didn't (laughs) like it. Didn't care for it one I think that's the worst. What's bad about the patriarchal moments in Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that so many of the other moments you're like, well, but it's it's fake, so it doesn't have to be that scary. Right, right. But this is true. In a manner of speaking. It's true. Literally true. It's real. It's a metaphor. No. Just true. For... You know what else sucks? What else sucks? Ted. Ted. What a dick. Little lady. Yeah. And his malarkey. His malarkey. Oh, just a horrible robot of a thing. You know, the 50s, right? (laughs) Also the 60s and the 70s, 80s, 90s, and aughts. And 10s. And teens. 
Yeah, just forever, forever. We're very mad about Ted. We're very mad about the way that Ted uh, manipulated Joyce. We're very mad about the way that Ted drugged everybody. Yeah. We're very mad about the way the police handle oh, things. Yeah. We're very mad. Victim blaming. Yeah. Victim blaming ding-dongs. Ding-dongs. Is what they all are. Good night, Ted. We don't need you. Goodbye. Farewell. I'm glad fare, that fare you- not well. <laughs> I'm glad that you short-circuited when you did. Yeah. You know who else sucked? Oh my Kane, God. Kane. That fucking werewolf hunter. That guy With the sucked. teeth around his neck Ugh. like a dumb dummy. I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> really did not care for him. The way that he spoke to Buffy, like she didn't know a thing because Ugh. she was a girl. But then remember when she bent his gun with I her remember. bare hands, which was another metaphor in my opinion. I do remember when she bent his m- literal gun and also metaphorical gun uh-huh, uh-huh. for all of us to cheer. It was bad, but Buffy, Buffy helped us as she does. Say fuck you to that patriarchal nonsense. And you know what else sucked in that episode? Yeah, same Larry. Episode. Larry before he came out. Larry. Larry after he came out, so great. Moral of the story, come out. Right, right. Larry, both a victim and perpetrator of oh, the God. patriarchy. I mean, it's many. It's a vicious cycle. It is. That but consumes us all. Larry broke the patriarchy by coming out and feeling at one with him, his true self. Proud of you, Realizing Larry. that we do not have to be the things that the patriarchy tells us we have uh-huh. to be. We can be ourselves. Bless you, Larry. Congratulations on your coming out moment. We're proud of you. I wish Larry was on the swim team because yeah. they wouldn't then be all jerks. Right. The swim team, Cameron, a number one offender. Blech. Sitting to here we go again down the path of victim blaming and nonsense. This episode is uh-huh. chock full of Buffy being told that she's wearing the wrong clothes and all manner of ooh. No, 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 no. Boys have needs. Coach Bo- Carl. Oh. Yeah. Pata is right. I spit on your grave. Pata, enough times to fill the barrel with water that you will be devoured in by wow. your own swim team. <laughs> Carl. <Ow. laughs> I can't believe I got to marry you. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, this has been this, the patriarchy. This has been the patriarchy. Touching on just a few cornerstone moments of this season, there were, of course, plenty because the patriarchy is everywhere we look. But you know what else is everywhere we look, Jenny? What's that? Patriarchy slayage. Done yeah. right here in this very podcast. Done by Buffy herself. Done by you, kind listener, by just listening to us and going about your business every day. We will knock it down one at a time. Hell yeah. One Ted, one demon lizard, <laughs> one Kane, and one Cameron swim team member at a time. <laughs> we will slay the patriarchy. The patriarchy! <laughs> You know what else is as omnipresent as the patriarchy? <laughs> what is? What is, Jenny? Uh, Gabby Dunn. You're right. That would be Gabby you're Dunn. You're right. Everywhere you turn, there she is No again. escaping her. If you're a regular listener of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, you know that we sometimes see a cat, a neighborhood cat. We call him Patrol Cat. He goes on patrol around the neighborhood. And recently, rumors have been a-flying about the fact that Patrol Cat may, in fact, be Gabby Dunn. And Gabby Dunn may, in fact, be Patrol Cat. So we asked Gabby Dunn if she had any thoughts to wrap up this season and to maybe let us know what she had actually been up to for the last few months. 
Hello, Kristen and Jenny. It is I, Gabby Dunn slash Patrol Cat. If you've been listening to all the episodes, audience, you would know that Gabby Dunn is Patrol Cat, as well as the mayor of L.A. So what have I, your most prolific guest slash the cat that patrols your neighborhood, been up to this whole season? Well, this should come as no shock to you guys, but Patrol Cat is also a vampire slayer. But Patrol Cat only slays cat vampires, and your neighborhood is actually rife with cat vampires. You guys just don't notice it because you're humans, and also because I'm doing an incredible job. So when I'm outside your window, what I'm really doing is keeping you safe from vampire cats. Because yes, vampire cats can bite people and turn them into vampires. I don't make the rules, that's just true. Also, you guys can't check on this lore because there's no cat vampires and cat slayers in Buffy. I'm actually very upset with the lack of representation. So there's no one to tell you that this is true or isn't true. You guys should be more thankful because I've been keeping you alive this entire time that you've lived where you live. I've been making sure that they don't get into your home. I've been making sure that they turn to dust. Whenever you guys see dust outside, you should know that that's patrol cat doing my job. So anyway, I guess all of season two, I've just been the best guest ever and also a cat patrolling your neighborhood. I mean, when do I rest? When do I have time for my own show, youtube.com slash just between us show? When do I have time for my own YouTube channel, youtube.com slash no fun Gabby Dunn or my Twitter at Gabby Dunn or my Instagram at Gabby Road and time to patrol the neighborhood. I mean, my work is never done. Okay, bye. Wow, Gabby. You really inspired us, and so we created a little something just for you. She loves being mentioned. Ooh, that Gabby Dunn. That Gabby Dunn. She sure does love being mentioned. And saving our lives. She loves saving our lives day she, after day, apparently. She does. I mean, this is a big, this is a big like reveal and a lot of information that we've received here. Patrol Cat is a vampire or is a cat vampire slayer living in our neighborhood. What are the chances? It's like we moved to our own hellmouth, Jenny. Oh my God. And what's really, really fun about this new news about Patrol Cat is that additional news, Jenny and I adopted a tiny kitten who is hopefully not a vampire cat. Who's hope? No, I mean, we've been watching her very closely. Mm. I think we would know if she was a vampire cat. She's very biting. Uh, what I think is, I think she's going to be one of the Scoobies. I think oh. she's going to be one of Patrol Cat Scoobies. Her name is Sam. She's about four months old. She's a tiny, tiny, adorable baby. She weighs four pounds. She weighs four pounds, and we love her so much. If you want to see her, you can look anywhere on any of our social media accounts because all we have done for the last week is post <laughs> pictures of Sam. Accurate. And Sam has not yet met Patrol Cat. Uh, either in cat form or Gabby Dunn form. She did recently see her first Archibald, though. She did see an Archibald, yes, but not Patrol Cat yet. And I just, I think that they're going to form a fast friendship, and I think Sam may support Patrol Cat and Patrol Cat's vampire slayage. That's all I'm saying. Now, we have so much more to cover. We have our list of some favorite moments and favorite characters from season two. We have Joanna Robinson coming in hot. I think, I think probably Joanna Robinson's best Best work yet is in this podcast. Truly. Uh, We've got Brittany Nichols as well. Brittany Nichols is around the bend. But before we get there, we have a couple of sponsors to thank. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my gosh, we are back and we have so much to do together. Jenny and I are going to tell you about our favorite characters from this season, our favorite fun moments from this season as well. We have Brittany Nichols, Joanna Robinson. We also have you telling us about your favorite moments. We have significant losses. There is a lot to come. So, Jenny, let's start with favorite characters. Who is yours? My favorite character in season two is Cordelia. Ooh, Cordelia. She's so great. She's a queen. She is funny. She is golden hearted when you least expect her to be. Aww. She's growing. She's changing. Yeah. Ugh. It's nice. It is really nice. Yeah, it's hard to pick. It's really hard, so to, hard pick to pick a favorite character. I mean, you'd think based on like all of the talking in the season that I too would be picking Cordelia. But when I like really had to narrow it down, I mean, Cordelia, you're my heart. You're my love. As a matter of fact, do you have any more to say about Cordelia? No, she's perfect. That's Ugh. it. Well, before we move on to my favorite character, then I believe we should give Cordelia her jingle as Jenny's favorite character from season two. Cordelia, I love you, Cordelia, you're perfect, Cordelia. Oh, Cordelia. That's right. How we love you. However, my favorite character from season two specifically is Drusilla. That is an excellent choice. I just, like, when I thought about it, I shuffled things around, I moved things here and there, and I just kept coming up. With old Drusilla, losing her mind over all the things, naming the stars, all the same names, Mm -hmm. just blindfolding her dolls. I mean, she just, that's the thing, is like you never know what in the hell she's going to do or how she's going to do it or why she's going to do it. She doesn't know why Mm -hmm. she's going to do it. And she commits to everything she does 
with 1000% Drusilla-ness. And I just, <laughs> that's my, that's my kind of thing. I'm really into that. I mm. love, I just, I love, right. I love that she has dolls. I love that she has visions. I love her backstory, her mm-hmm. history, how she was made and why she is who she is now. Mm-hmm. I love her love for Spike and their thing. Aww. I love her love for the jealousy that happens between Spike and Angel <laughs> and how she She's like so into it. pushes that. I just, she really has knocked it out of the park so many times in season two that my favorite for the season goes to Drew. And Drew, here's a jingle for you. Drew. All right, let's do Jenny. Yeah. Let's do a quick rundown of our favorite moments from this oh, season. God. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, I'm going to start us off with episode five, Reptile Boy. Cordelia talking too much in the basement when she's chained up with Buffy. <laughs> Is a moment I love. It's a moment I love. I love, I love, I love. It is so great. Oh my God. I love episode six, Halloween, because everybody, well, almost everybody, the three core Scoobies get a chance to be kind of the opposite of what they are in their everyday life. Willow is wearing revealing clothing. <laughs> Buffy is uh, a helpless maiden. Yes. And Xander is like super confident, super strategic. Uh, running the operation with his military mind. And Cordelia is a cat. And Cordelia <laughs> is Cordelia and amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a really, that's like a big episode overall for favorites. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump us to episode 10. This is What's My Line Part 2. This is Kendra and Buffy, right? Like Kendra and Buffy's arc in the season. We've talked about it a little bit already, but it's something that I hold very dear to my heart. And the end of that episode where Buffy is telling Kendra that she can take the plane back and she doesn't have to ride in the cargo hold and mm-hmm. they have the exchange about being a slayer and it not being a job, it being who she is. Mm. It's just really, really beautiful and it's a connection that I think we see between those two characters and for a connection for Buffy that we don't see her get with anyone else yeah. that I love. Yeah, you know what else I love in, in episode 10? What? Cordelia and Xander hate kissing in the basement. <laughs> yeah. They hate it so much, but they can't stop. Yeah, it is pretty great. Do you know what I love in episode 15, Phases? What do you love? I love Willow, who's not going to take it anymore, and she's given Oz a piece of her mind yes. while he's busy trying not to turn into a werewolf. Yes. This is like, we talked about strong Willow up at the top of the episode, and this yeah. is like another, if Willow is climbing a ladder... To, yeah. to her final Willow self by the end of this season. This is certainly a rung or three on yes, that ladder. totally. Of her being like, I am done. Of course, <laughs> it's unfortunate that she takes a stand and then the result is her boyfriend turning into a werewolf. Yeah. But they, but they reconcile and they love each other. And it's so great. And it's so great. Another great, I mean, that's like another great, great moment, series of moments in this season is mm. Willow and Oz together. And Oz's lines. Oz has some like incredible fucking lines throughout yeah. the season. He's just, he's a dream. He's a dream boat. What a babe. You know what else I like in this episode, Jenny? What's that? Well, in this episode, Willow and Cordelia are at the bronze sitting on the couch and they're talking about how much they hate men. Hooray! <laughs> what a fun romp. 
I would like a little video. Like I should just have a video clip of that scene on my phone so that anytime I'm in a bad mood, I can just hit play, you know, <laughs> and hear the two of them do their beautiful, beautiful thing. Thank you, Willow. Thank you, mm-hmm. Cordelia, for being perfect. Oh, my God. Speaking of men, one of my favorite things this season was in episode 20 when Xander was in a Speedo. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, wow. Just kidding. It was in that very same episode, Go Fish, when Cordelia had a moving, emotional conversation with Ugh. a fish monster that she thought was Xander, which revealed untold depths of yes. Cordelia's character and sensitivity and vulnerability. Yay! So beautiful. If you uh, you should go check out on our Instagram, we uh, regrammed an artist friend of ours whose name is Sophie, who drew um, a reimagined Cordelia with the fish monster. <laughs> uh, if that had in fact been Xander, really, really sweet, really adorable, yeah, very wonderful. You should check it out. Uh, our Instagram is Buffering Cast, and her name is Sophie Argetsinger. All right. Obviously, you guys know from listening to our podcast that every moment is our favorite moment. So we're really <laughs> just touching on a few here. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would definitely not be able to end this segment without talking about probably my favorite moment of the entire season when Joyce and Spike are sitting together in the living room. I love it so much. Oh my it's God. the most beautiful illustration of awkwardness. I love it. I could not think of two characters that I want to be alone in a quiet room uncomfortably together more <laughs> Than Joyce Summers and Spike. I just can't. I just can't. I love it so much. And that calls back another favorite moment of mine, which is from episode three, School Hard, where Joyce totally wields an axe at Spike. Yes. Defending Buffy and letting us know that uh, Buffy may be the chosen one, but she's also got some badass feminist fighting in her DNA. Hell yes. Oh my gosh, so many favorite moments. And we received so many voicemails from all of you about your favorite moments. Many of them were about the very same moment. And so we're going to hear those in just a short while. But we want to let you know that over on our Patreon page, we are going to put up a handful of some of our favorite voice memos from those other episodes because there are some incredible messages there. Some about phases. Oh, I love the message about phases Mm -hmm. so much. There's an incredible analysis of Buffy taking the chopstick out of her hair and what that might be alluding to. There, There is a very special voice message from May Rude <laughs> about her uh, fury at our treatment of Cordelia and Xander. Mm-hmm. So you should head on over to our Patreon page. That's a post that's publicly up for everybody if you want to hear some more of you all sharing your favorite moments from this season. But don't worry, there'll be some in this episode too. <laughs> Before we get there though, we want to have a short moment to pay our respect to those we have lost in season two. So this is a big deal this season because we lose somebody who we care about. Uh, We lose more than one person, but I'm talking about the first death that we experience. As viewers, we have not lost a key character until we lose Jenny Callender. Yeah, Jenny Callender is the first character who we've really formed some kind of an emotional attachment to. And mostly we've formed that emotional attachment via Giles. Yes. Right? So somebody we care about really cares about Jenny Callender, regardless of like what, however we've managed to bond with her uh, viewer to character. Absolutely. And it is done in like a really gutting way, like the most emotionally wrenching possible way. And a a really 
like beautiful way. I mean, that's a weird word to use perhaps for something that is so horrific, but it is just a gorgeous scene. The whole, Mm. like that whole scene is done really beautifully. And I want to say too, this is a really important um, moment for us in buffering because it is the biggest spoiler that Jenny Owen Youngs has ever let come out of her mouth. The shame. During the live episode, the live taping of Reptile Boy, she spoiled this episode, this uh, death for the audience before we had gotten there. And most of the listeners knew what was going to happen. Not all of them, but most of them. But what was so particularly wonderful about this spoiler (laughs) was that the guest we were interviewing at the time, Brittany Nichols, did not yet know that Jenny Callender was going to die. So we spoiled it for our very own guest. And we I'm asked, sorry, Brittany. We asked Brittany to just send us a little message about how she felt about losing Jenny Callender and maybe even a little bit about that spoiler. Season two included one of the worst things to ever happen to me, which is the death of Miss Callender. Have to say she was my favorite character. I feel like maybe the only person that was ever performing at the top of their emotional intelligence. Now, if you listen to the podcast, specifically the live episodes, you might remember Jenny spoiled this moment for me. Um, I was really hopeful, looking forward to a future with lots of calendar, lots of calendar plus Giles. Uh, Jalander, I think, would be their ship name. There probably one exists already, but that's the one that I just made up. Um, And Jenny really took the wind out of my sails when she told me that she was going to die. And what a gruesome death it was. I mean, it's nightmares to this day. No one should go out like that. She didn't deserve that. Well, there you have it. From the mouth of the person who taught us the meaning of the word thruple. True. It's true. Brittany Nichols, we love you. We are so sorry that uh, one of our mouths spoiled that moment for you. It was mine. It was Jenny's. <laughs> um, and just on a more serious note, Jenny Callender, truly... A very important character and a very significant loss. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. We also lost Kendra this season. A huge, devastating loss as well. I mean, we've talked about Kendra already oh, in many segments of this episode and in so many other episodes. But, you know, Kendra was something really special to Buffy. And her loss was also so tragic that she handed Buffy, Mr. Pointy, to yeah. help Buffy in her fight. As like sort of the last thing that that they exchanged was that like Kendra gave her this very important piece of her fight. Um, And so for Buffy to come back and find Kendra that Kendra had lost this battle between her her and Drusilla was just devastating. Yeah. And we're we're seeing like Buffy lose the only person really who who has a real sense of what Buffy's life really is. Yeah, the only person, really the only person that she has met to date that can understand without having a larger conversation. And that's so powerful and important to all of us in so many different ways, having those people that you know get it, that you do not have to explain it to. Uh, So that is a huge loss for Buffy. And and by proximity, too, a huge loss for the whole Scooby gang, everybody that knows and works with Buffy and knew Kendra. Mm -hmm. Really, really sad. It also raises the stakes, no pun (laughs) intended, um, because we've seen people die and we've seen vampires die, but we haven't seen a vampire slayer die before. Yes, solid point, solid point. Which is a lot. 
I mean, technically, we have seen Buffy die before, but... Well, we haven't <laughs> seen a vampire slayer die and not immediately spring back to life. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I mean, a big thing that I think we learned this season is that we are all very vulnerable and that it is important to fight evil, but that in fighting evil, we do lose some along the way. Mm. And that's hard. That's hard. But that's what this show does. It just fucking helps us deal with hard shit in our real lives. Yeah. We also lose Angel. We lose Angel oh, in the very man. last episode. Well, we lose Angel and then we lose him again. Yes, that's true. We lose, right. We lose Ugh. Angel and then we get Angel back for just one brief shining moment. And then we lose Angel again. So there are many other smaller characters who we have lost this season. Many vampires we have lost. And we pay our respects to all of those uh, that we have lost along the way. May they rest in peace. May they rest in peace. Now, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about our favorite moments, our favorite characters. We've heard from Brittany Nichols. We've heard from Gabby Dunn. We have talked to Kate Leth. And we're rounding the bend here to the final episode of the season in our recap here. And it we just did a full episode on that episode. Mm-hmm. But so many of you had so much to say about your feelings in that final episode that we just want to take a special little <sighs> moment for becoming part two. Really becoming. We'll just call it one unit. Yeah. Uh, I want to start by reading an email. I know this isn't a mailbag. What are you doing, Kristen? You're crazy. (laughs) But I just want to share this email because I think it'll really segue very nicely Mm. uh, into some other fun things. So, uh, Jana, I I think that's how we pronounce your name. I hope it is, Jana. Jana wrote in, Dear Kristen and Jenny, in your commentary for Becoming Part 2, you discuss the final scene in which Buffy lurks angel style in the bushes and then heads for the bus out of town. You remarked on her enormous pants. Pants? My friends, I am pretty confident she is wearing her shame overalls. I'm not currently rewatching the series, so I don't know whether these overalls have truly arrived on the scene yet, but I recall <laughs> them very clearly as the clothes she puts on when she is at her absolute lowest, most disempowered, closest to giving up. The overalls are capital V, very capital S significant. They are the garment polar opposite of Buffy putting on her leather fighting pants. Love the podcast. Thanks for doing it. Wow. (laughs) I laughed for five hours after reading this email. (laughs) Pants? Pants, just so you understand visually in the email, it has its own line. It's spaced out from the paragraph above (laughs) and below it with like 42 question marks and exclamation points. Perfect. So thank you so much for that note and correction. You are right. They are not pants. They are overalls. And when we put out our call to ask people for their favorite moments of season two, we also got a response from somebody who we love very dearly on this podcast, Joanna Robinson. You may remember Joanna Robinson from her incredible guest spot on Innocence. Uh, Joanna does about 47 other podcasts. You might want to know about Storm of Spoilers and Cast of Kings. Very important right now. Game of Thrones has started again. You should probably be listening to Joanna talk about that shit Mm because she rules. Uh, But Joanna had some stuff to say about this finale. Her favorite moment of season two is in this finale. And she also talks about the overall. So we thought, what a great transition. Hi there, it is Joanna Robinson here, and I am having a lot of trouble plucking one single solitary moment from season two to consider sort of my favorite or the best, because I consider this entire season to be the best season of television, no joke, that has ever graced our screens. 
So that being said, I guess I will go with the end of Becoming Part 2, the finale. Even though you guys just talked about it on your podcast, I just can't think of anything better or stronger to encapsulate everything, all the ups and downs of Buffy Season 2. You've got the dissolution of the family unit between Joyce and Buffy. You've got Spike Ascendant hitting the road. You've got Angel gone. Is he ever coming back? Spoiler alert, he has his own spinoff, so yes, but you know, as a kid, I didn't know that. You've got the Scoobies who are triumphant but worried. And uh, then you've got the Sarah McLaughlin of it all. Um, every time I hear that song, every time I hear Sarah croon, the winter is cold and better. It like makes me cry. I, I can't handle it. And uh, one, one thing I wanted to add is because uh, your lovely friend Kate, Kate Leth, did not do a fashion update for the Becoming Part 2 finale. Uh, I, I noticed that you guys kind of missed that Buffy is not in fact wearing Jinkos or uh, like enormous jeans in that last scene. She's actually wearing overalls, which I've always called the overalls of sadness. So overalls of sadness, Sarah McLaughlin, a bus leaving Sunnydale, Boom. Everything. Season two, the best. Thanks, guys. Bye. The overalls of sadness. The overalls of sadness. The shame overalls. The overalls have been given so many a name. Joanna Robinson, what a dream. Mm. Little did we know that not only would we get that wonderment, but that we would also get to hear Joanna sing a little bit of that Sarah McLaughlin Yeah, you thought you were safe from Sarah McLaughlin (laughs) in this episode. Wrong! You are never safe. Buffering the Vampire Slayer, colon, you are never safe. (laughs) In parentheticals, from Sarah McLaughlin. (laughs) All accurate. Now, Joanna obviously talked about this finale. It's a big moment. And what's really fun is that we asked so many of you to send in your favorite moments to us. And we were overwhelmed by the response. So many of you sent us voice memos. It was so rad to Mm -hmm. listen to them all. And so we couldn't think of any better way to round out this wrap-up episode than by sharing some of your wonderful voices, the people who make this podcast possible, the people who share our love for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So here are some messages from all of you. We're going to start with Sarah S. My favorite part of season two straight up has to be when Buffy kills Angel. Um, Right before I started watching Buffy, which wasn't until college, I'd had this incredible summer romance with this guy and then he completely turned evil on me and I just related so much to what Buffy went through in this season and seeing her have the strength to kill Angel made me realize that I had the strength to kind of kill off these positive memories I had of this person and move on with my life and save the fucking world and that's just the greatest thing Buffy's done for me and one of the reasons why I love season two so much. Hi, I'm Yeti and I uh, wanted to take a moment to talk about my favorite moment from season two of Buffy. Uh, It's definitely the end of becoming part two um, because I was coming out of the closet at the time that I found Buffy, especially season two. And I had lost a lot of my friends in doing so and uh, felt really alienated from my family. And I was going to a Catholic school at the time, so most of my classmates were not receptive to the idea, including most of the adults in the school. Um, And I really felt isolated. I really felt like I had nothing left, like I had no one and nothing to talk to or help deal with this. 
And I really felt like Buffy did it at the end of season two, really the moment where he's saying no friends, no weapons, nothing left. What's what's left when all that's gone? Uh, her statement of me was really inspirational to me. It really helped me take a good, hard look at everything that I had and helped me get through being sort of isolated for the next few years. So yeah, that would definitely count as my favorite moment from season two. Hi Scoobies, my name's Rhiannon. I've been watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer since I think I was about seven years old and it started airing season three in the UK. I think the first episode I saw was Helpless. I was absolutely terrified but I still made my mum go out and buy the VHS tapes because I was desperate to see more of this incredible girl on screen. Uh, saddest moment would have to be Angel's death, obviously. Don't even have to watch the episode anymore. I just have to hear the first three notes on the piano for close your eyes and I'm gone like a little baby. Um, and the moment that meant most to me for my growing up experience would have to be when Buffy grabs that sword and just says me. I was like so blown back. I'd never seen a girl other than maybe Xena get that much agency on screen before and it just completely changed the way I viewed myself and other girls. I just, I wanted to be her so bad and it meant so much to me. Hi, Kristen and Jenny. This is Gracie from Brooklyn, New York. I love the podcast so much. Uh, I love the end of season two episodes, especially. Uh, season two is an amazing season. I think I remember when I first watched Innocence, I was a sobbing mess on the floor and my sister had to console me for a while before we could keep watching. But uh, really my favorite moment of the season is when Buffy just catches the sword and says, me. It never fails to make me cry and it's making me cry a little bit right now because Sometimes life can get overwhelming and you're not fighting your demon ex-boyfriend every day, but sometimes it feels like you're all you have left. And in that moment, Buffy reminded us that it's not only okay that you're all you have left, but it's empowering and you can face it. And I just love it. And I love Buffy. And I didn't mean to get so emotional, but I can't wait for season three. Thanks, guys. Oh my god. No. I know. Grace? Yeah. Gracie from Brooklyn? Ugh. We feel you. Well, we thought there was going to be a season three, but <laughs> we died. Oh, it was so amazing to hear from all of you, all of you. And a reminder that in the next couple of days, we will be putting up all of the other voice memos on Patreon so you can hear some of the other favorite moments outside of this episode. But Wow, thank you. And Gracie, the moment I see you, I know I'll see you someday. Maybe at, <laughs> maybe at FlameCon in August. I don't know, but you're going to get a pretty big hug, so be warned. Thank you all for an amazing season two. Yes, thank you. This has been an incredible season. We just, like, more and more of you keep joining this family, and we are so excited. We really could have never imagined the beautiful family that was going to come of this work, and we love it, and we love you, and we cannot wait to begin season three and to just go on this entire journey with you together. Yeah. You, Jenny, me, and Gracie from Brooklyn. <laughs> and Sam. <laughs> and Sam the cat and everybody else. Oh, wow. Well, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. You sure are. And I'm full of feelings. <laughs> 
And when I'm not making this podcast, I'm writing songs and recording them. And you can hear some of them at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering, where I have made you a little playlist of my non-Buffy songs. You can also give me a holler on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. You can find me on the internet in various places at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also learn more about the work that I do outside of this podcast with LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com or mykidisgay.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram <laughs> at BufferingCast. And you can always email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can. And um, something really exciting happened in the last week, which is that in the last week, not only do we love you because we're all here and everybody has feelings, <laughs> but Buffering the Vampire Slayer broke one million downloads last week. What? What? That's that a large number. is a large number. Many zeros. Six zeros, in fact, in that number. <laughs> so thank you to all of you who are listening to this and sharing it with your friends and your loved ones. We want to do something celebratory. Oh, my God, Patrol Cat. Oh, my God, Patrol Cat. Patrol Cat went by for the wrap-up. Jenny, Patrol Cat went by. He's gone now. It's it. You missed it. It was. I literally saw his butt and tail as it like Aww. went by the window. He knew it was the finale. He did. He was like, nobody's going to get through this episode without Patrol Cat. <laughs> Gabby. <laughs> he might be after a vampire. Um, <laughs> anyhow, one million downloads means that we have a celebration in store. And so Jenny and I are planning a fun internet party of sorts for this August. So follow us on any social media that you want, whatever you use, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Jenny just told you all of the ways you can follow us so that when we do that celebration, you will know about it. Um, it should be fun and details to come. Also, so many of you have taken our listener survey and we are very grateful. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on what we've done so far and what we might be able to do in the future. You rule. Three of you were randomly selected to win t-shirts, and you've already been notified by email, but congratulations via the sound <laughs> of my voice to Camilla, Meredith, and Katrine, whose names I hope I'm saying right. You three rule. Everybody who took the survey rules. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. A quick reminder that we will be doing our Buffy watch of Band Candy on July 30th for all of our patrons, no matter what level you are a patron at. We will be together in glory as we watch that episode, which is mm. just a joy. Mm. We will also be in New York City August 19th and 20th at FlameCon. So if you are there, please come and see us. Give us a high five. Tell us your favorite characters of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's going to be a blast. Also, oh my gosh, as of Friday, July 14th, which happened, it's in the past, Buffering the Vampire Slayer songs from season two is now available in the world. You can get the CD from our website. You can find the music digitally on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, and newly Bandcamp at bufferingthevampireslayer.bandcamp.com. Some people say Reptile Boy is the song of the summer. So Who said that? <laughs> you said that. Yeah, somebody on Twitter said it. I retweeted oh, it. Oh, that is so <laughs> nice. Well, you can find out which song you think is the song of the summer <laughs> by checking out our album wherever it is sold. Yes. And speaking of summer, Jenny and I are going to be taking a few weeks off before we start season three. Many of you have been asking, but when some of you have said, we can't wait till next week when season three starts. And we're like, ha ha ha. Uh, Jenny and I will be taking a handful of weeks off. We are coming back hot 
for season three, <laughs> episode one on September 6th. And in that interim, we will be uh, going to FlameCon. We will be doing a Buffy watch. We will be celebrating a million downloads Woo! with you. We will also be uh, putting up a brand new website, which is going to be exciting yes. and fun. So we, are, we trust us. We won't actually be taking time off, but we, <laughs> but we will see you all for season three on September 6th. And we cannot wait. Oh my God. So exciting. Whew. Till next season. <gasps> uh, Normally, this is where a song would go, but since it's a wrap up, we don't have a song. So instead, here's Spike's jingle just for fun. <laughs> Spike, I love you. Spike, so dreamy. Spike, your trench coat. We are the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a reader, writer, liver, and breather of comic books. And I'm Nat, and I know absolutely nothing about comics. Which makes both of us authorities in our respective fields. Exactly. Hey, wait. On Comic Sans, I make Nat read some of my favorite comics, including Sandman Saga and Laura Olympus. And Yen tells me what makes that comic special. Then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. Listen to Comic Sans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can already binge our first season, and we just released a special bonus episode on Across the Spider-Verse. Hey, Nat, before we go, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can tell me what Comic-Con is. Is it related to Chili Con Carn? Do you mean chili con carne? Maybe we should be chili sands.